The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Hello, everyone. Wow. Happy, happy, happy Wednesday. This is always one of my favorite times is to connect with so many of you all over the country, all over the world, and what it means to be intentional. And, you know, as I say uh, quite often on the show, it's intentions and being an intentional spirit are very unique compared to goal setting or New Year's resolutions. And all of those, I'm not saying one ups the other or is more important than the other. To me and my own learning, I needed it to look different because every time for the new year, I'd make a big list, you know, and then I'd forget to put me on the list half the time and things would happen. And then, oh yeah, what about that list that I was supposed to be doing for this particular year? So for me, it was creating an energy called the intentional spirit, which means that you're guided by the spirit of your life. You're guided by a higher power, whatever you call it, but you're guided by something that's bigger than you are that creates this energy of you being intentional. In other words, you keep fulfilling what you're driven to, regardless of what's going on around you. Where often when you set a goal, you go, oh, yeah, I've set a goal. I'm gonna, I think I'll go back to college. Oh, well, now that the change has happened with my job or well, now that that's occurred, I'm not going to be able to do that. So all that settles again. And people wake up 40 years later and realize that very few things settled. I think you get my point. Being intentional, you continue to take steps forward creatively, regardless of circumstances. And that's what makes you vibrant, electrifying, and can surpass any condition in your life because you don't give power to them. Well, my guest today, I've very much been looking forward to having him because he's one of those people in life that encourages me to keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, Often, as spiritual leadership, we talk about love and law. I mean, every week we say it different. There's a law that's always working. It's working for you. Even when you say it isn't working, hey, it's working for you by not working. And love is infinite and everywhere you go. We say it and package it all these different ways. But ultimately, that is the law of beingness and creation is love and law. So, Many years ago, I met a man 
that was really down with some things that had happened to him. I won't tell his story, but I'm here to talk to him today about his journey from homeless to abundance. Steve, welcome to our show. Thank you, Temple. It's good to be here. Oh, it's just a pleasure having you. And I was kind of reflecting upon how many years ago I actually met you. Uh, was it 10 or 12? It's been, a, it's been a while. I think I was like 30 when we first met. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, it's right at 10 years. Yeah, okay. Right at, right at 10 years. So happy anniversary to you there, my friend. Well, thank you. Thank our you. I would like to acknowledge your friendship. Uh, and so uh, I would like to acknowledge um, your work on, uh, and the support that you gave me back 10 years ago, because I promise you without it, I sure wouldn't be sitting here today. So it, I really appreciate it. It did great. Well, um, you know, that that's what it's all about. I mean, there we can write all the books in the world about being a difference maker. And yet if we don't seize the moment in front of us in some small way, you know, to, to, to give a hand up or to bless someone or to listen to someone's story. Um, you know, why would we do what we're doing? That that's the way I see it is that, uh, regardless, you know, the moments that present themselves in our lives are the most important moments right then. And, um, I just remember, um, meeting you years ago and, and you have, um, you have what I would call the uh, yachtsman's look, if, if you will, the Sperry shoes, the, you know, the, the very colored belt, the nice Oxford looking shirt. I mean, you're, you're just um, so presentable in your package. Okay. And that is a compliment. And I had no mm -hmm. idea at the time that when you had um, wanted to connect with me, the level that you were at and what you had endured. So let, let's kind of start there through that journey, more about you certainly than me, but how, um, how it all started for you because you have been through your life many times successful. And when the knock was on the door and we had our encounter, your story looked very different which is what has driven you to be the intentional spirit that you are. So let's start wherever you want to start, but let's definitely dig into that. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's great because I can remember when, when we first met and what was going on in my life, I had really just kind of discovered the fact if, if I can put it that way, that I was homeless. I have been really, really very successful most of my life. And all of a sudden I found myself in a situation where I was, living in an abandoned house with no water, no electricity, and no money. And initially, I was really, really into the blame game, where I was just angry and upset and obviously afraid for my, for my existence and my continuance. And I think that meeting you when we met, what started to happen was the, the blame and the negativity started to just sort of fade away which it has to do in order for the nice, quiet, silent voice to take over. And that's kind of what happened then. Is it, the noise went away, and as I began to see myself in the situation that I was in without the anger and without the fear as much, uh, then positive things started to happen. And so from that point on, go ahead. Let's build on that, can we? Because Sure. 
I think, you know, this conversation is so timely. And I do feel that with COVID-19, the movement of things in our society, we have no idea where a lot of people are going to land and animals and the whole world, actually. All sentient beings are going to land after this. And we already know there's lots of positiveness going on and great things. You know, there's no doubt about that. But we will find, I believe, a number of people in what we call transitional homelessness. And that was who you were, you know, transferred here for some other ideal, for a set of reasons. And then all of a sudden you find, here's where I am. And I'm now a homeless guy. And so to elaborate is more so for, you know, people tuning in or people that share this show with other family, friends and things like that. Because a lot of people don't even realize there are so many different levels of being homeless. Okay. It's not just one image that you see in a magazine and say, oh, that's all those people. And as long as we say that's all those people, we're already separate from our humanity. Because if it's those people, it's us people, it's me people, it's you and me, right? I think we can totally agree upon that. Yes? Absolutely. So so that being said, when you said, you know, the first time that we met on the doorstep of life, that you were aware or made aware of the shame and the guilt that you were carrying. Could you elaborate on that and take us a little deeper so we don't make the story up for us? Because I know that some people are already starting to be there right now that are unemployed of where they may or may not go. And so I want to address that. When when you say guilt and and shame and that critic was just beating you up like you needed to feel worse than you already did, you were giving yourself a time of it. Was that societal shame? Was that um, a family culture shame? Or was it that that was just your nature and you were just doing it because it was one more thing to do it about? I think that that's worth exploring. Okay. Yeah, for me, it it wasn't anything historical. I think that, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I'd been a successful guy all my life. had a great career. I owned a great company. And to find myself suddenly in this situation, my initial reaction was to lash out at other people. What I wanted to do is, first of all, the, the basic driving force behind it all was fear. I mean, living without water and electricity was not good. There's no question about it. But the real problem, the real the real tension and fear that I had is I had no idea how I was going to change it. Mm-hmm. So I felt trapped. I felt angry. Uh, I was totally afraid. I could, at that point in my life, I could see no change for the rest of rest of my time on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I think that that fear alone was enough to, initially anyway, go into blame. And it wasn't. It was. It's funny because I I knew I'd gotten there, but I wanted to blame everybody else. At that point, I wanted to to make it everybody else's fault that I was here. People who hadn't kept promises, people who hadn't done what they said they were going to do, and I was angry and lashing out at them. And that went on for quite a while. Uh, well, quite a while being probably a month or so. 
But ultimately what I was able to do, and I think that living like that, for one thing, is exhausting. It's just exhausting. And, and my mind just got tired and it began to quiet down. And that's when I came to the realization that if I was ever going to change this, I was going to have to take responsibility for it. I mean, I literally had to sit down and look in the mirror and say, Steve, why did you choose homelessness? Why did you choose to be here? Because I knew that as long as I was angry and lashing out at other people, in effect, what I was doing was giving them control over my life. And as long as I was blaming them, then there was nothing that I could do about it, which I finally came to the realization that that was 180 degrees out. And that's really about the time that I met you and, and things started to turn around because I was beginning to take responsibility for myself. And I was where I was at based on the decisions and the choices that I had made in the past, not on the actions of other people. And as soon as I was able to do that, I was then able to do the other things necessary to move out of that, which was a process that and it took four or five months. But that was really the beginning. And I think the result of that, that came from the fact that I spent so much time being angry. And I think it's a natural thing for a lot of us to want to blame other people for our situations. And I think that's one of the problems that we have is not taking responsibility for our own actions, because that's that allows us to make choices. And if we can make conscious choices, then we can go in the direction that we want. Yeah, that's that's extremely powerful. Um, a, a simple way uh, to identify that within your being is when I blame, I do not claim. You know, oh, when wow. I blame, I do not claim. And when we're blaming other people and circumstance for where we are in that way, we're not claiming that, hey, we're not calling forth our real narrative of a story. Look, I've been successful 85, 90% of my life, okay? I even drive a super-duper Mercedes. I know you did because I saw you in it. You know, I look at me. I've been successful 90% of my life, and I'm going through a 10% right now. So now, you know, you've gone through this transformational, you know, kind of energy that that you're you're filled up with the possibilities of your, your life rather than being brought down and that can that's crucial it's so crucial because if you blame you do not claim it's like we say here and i say it so often you know you, you here is a place that is no blame no shill, should no guilt and you don't get to blame your parents after you're 30 years old. <laughs> you know, give them a rest <laughs> because it's time to, to wear your grow-up clothes and to realize that you're the one that's been making the choices, you know, all along. But I think you hit another point, and I think it's very important, and this was an area that I admired about you, um, especially, you know, someone in my own life of forever ago um, being into, um, you know, drinking and is that I, I blame people around me for the scars of, you know, being a young gay teenager and things that people had done. And, and I had lots of blame and being taught about a God that told me I was never going to be anything. And, you know, so I refer to that story for those 14, 15 years to almost drink myself to death. Um, 
and thank God for a new God and a new reality and a new truth and a teaching like we teach. But that being said, it wasn't enough that I didn't already have enough going on and I felt abandoned. I abandoned myself. And mm -hmm. I think that's a key point. Um, for those of you that are tuning in as I'm talking to Steve Harding today, as he talks about his journey from homeless to abundance, that's the name of his book. You can go to his website and purchase the book, ownyourowngreatness.com. That's own, O-W-N, yourowngreatness.com. But Steve, I think that that was a process that I really admired about you because I do think that that's unique, okay? Is that this horrible situation had happened. You were now living in it, but you didn't turn on yourself, okay? And I think that's a key, big old fancy bullet point for all of you to make a note of. When you are going through crisis or you wake up one day and you're in one, okay, don't turn on yourself. I mean, you're you're what you got. You're the one that found yourself there, and you're the one that's going to relocate you to a new place. I thought that was very admirable, admirable about you because many of people would have just uh, picked the bottle and called it a day. You know what I mean? Yes, I do, and and I'm sitting here getting goosebumps because uh, that is such a, was such is such a key distinction that we've got to make. It's so important. We we really can't move forward unless we take responsibility for where we're at. But a lot of people take the word responsibility and make it blame. Where I was, I wasn't blaming myself for where I was at. What I had to realize is that I had made choices that got me there. Now I can make different choices from where I'm at. It's difficult to kind of even imagine, but at that point, I had to really accept the fact that everything was perfect just the way that it was, that there was no blame, there was no right, no wrong. It was just this is where I was at the present moment, and I take responsibility for it, but it's not negative responsibility. There's no blame involved. It's now my responsibility to begin to make different choices, to wake up and think about what I'm thinking about be aware of the choices that I've made and uh, move forward from there. It, it's so important in the, when you're in that situation that, in effect, you become defenseless. You do not, you do not try to defend where you're at. You just accept where you're at, and then it gives you the opportunity to make different choices and move forward. So, thank you. That that is truly a very important point, Temple. Yeah, it, it definitely matters. I, I've seen that through the years happen a lot with people is that they, they, they give up. They don't want life to give up on them or they're surprised that life has when they're doing exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> because if you're, if you're into um, numbing yourself on any level, um, you are already uh, turning on yourself because it's not natural for us to turn on ourselves. We're not designed that way. So we're going against the grain. So we get more and more splinters, if you will, you know, and, and feel the pain and more so in the, in the scarring. Um, that being out there on those uh, tiny uh, little branches is what really, 
what really creates our our, our greatness. I mean, I, uh, I I look at the person you are in your becomingness over these few years, and there's such a ri- richness and a depth about you that just wasn't there before, you know. So that's what happens. Is it's like I say often, it. Yes, we're born, you know, into this life, and that's real nice. And we were we were born into this energy. But the truth, the bigger picture for all of us is how we allow ourselves to be created. And that's being birthed sometimes several times in a year um, as we're being birthed right now as a culture, you know, with the virus and with all these Mm -hmm. new standards and ways of living and things that we used to do that we simply aren't doing right now and all of those things. that's what shape shifts us into the new place of possibility. Uh, if we can not blame, not shame, not do the guilt and not be immersed in fear. And we find it as welcome all. I mean, isn't that what we say, Steve? Welcome all. Okay. I welcome yeah. you. I greet you. This is what is going on. As Buddha would say, whatever is, is best. Here we are. This is what's happening. Wow. Very interesting. Here we are. So how can we maximize where we are? And that's, so your inner critic, you made peace with that. You stopped turning on yourself. You, you made your claims. You put things in perspective that it wasn't your whole life. It was 10% of your life because the other 90% had been beautiful. And then, then what did you do? Well, at that point, uh, if, at that point, the, I, what I've got to talk about a little bit is uh, divine guidance, because it's so easy for me now to look back when I was going through this transformation, and I can see that there. once my mind quieted down, I was able to hear, uh, it's hard to describe, it's, in a, it's not even like it's a voice, there's just something that directs you to do the things that I did, and those things were all evolutionary. You know, it begins with, I began to want to visualize, uh, it's interesting because I wanted to visualize myself living in a two-bedroom, two-bath condominium on the water again. But I would wake up in the morning, and I would lay there in bed and try to visualize that, and then I would open my eyes and realize, hey, I'm in a house with no water, no electricity, I got no money. And that was so far away that I couldn't grasp it. So what came to me, and this is this is one example of divine guidance, is that what I needed to do is I needed to choose and feel grateful for smaller things. It's like a muscle. And the muscle just wasn't big enough to handle the condominium. So what I did at that point is I picked two things that I already had in my life. And... And those two things I picked are, number one, that I was healthy. And number two, that I had a roof over my head. I was not living under a bridge or on the street. And so what I would do each morning, and I think this is this was really the key to turning the whole thing around, is I would do what I call my gratitude exercise. And I, when I woke up in the morning, really before I even opened my eyes, I would cross my arms over my chest just to kind of get me in this in this place. And then I would feel gratitude for having my health and having 
a roof over my head, two things that already existed. So it was much easier to feel gratitude for them. And I would feel gratitude for those two things as if it was the blood running through my veins and constantly saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I really believe that was the the small turnaround that shifted the whole thing and started moving it in what really is was a 180-degree different direction, was just that gratitude for those two small things and starting to build that gratitude muscle. So you you built upon the new bricks that you were laying with your new design is what I'm. Exactly. It's, I, I was living in a, in a house that was in uh, repossession and it was all torn up inside. And Does anyone know guy, you were there? I'm sorry. Did anyone know you were there? Yes. The guy that owned the house knew or, I was there. Was there a story there or. No, well, I came. I, he uh, he and I were going to do a business thing together, and so I moved from Phoenix back out here. And he said, "Hey, you can stay in my house." That's right. Well, that's right. And then the business <laughs> tanked, and there you were. Got it. Yeah, yeah, he disappeared off the planet. I found out that he owed the IRS two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and he just left. Ooh. But this house that he put me in, uh, I live. I was. I had a bedroom in the back with a blow-up bed that leaked, uh, and. Yeah. All the other doors in the house were locked. And when I started doing my gratitude exercise, Temple, one of the things that that became apparent to me is that while nothing physical changed, I just felt different. I felt lighter and, and just happier, and I could smile every once in a while. And then one day he came to the house and he when he left he had left another bed he had all the rooms except mine locked in the house when he left he left the other bedroom door open unlocked and i went in there and i mean here's this big beautiful bed with sheets and sun shining through the the uh, window so i immediately moved in to that bedroom and then added that to my gratitude list and that was kind of the process that that started changing things around. When I started being grateful for what I had, then I, then things started to happen that I could add to that gratitude list until eventually I got to a point where I was able literally to feel gratitude for things that were not yet in my life. And a perfect example is uh, I found out about a, retirement program that I'd had available to me, which gave me the money to then go to Unity. And so in the process of being able to do that, I was able to come to have the gas to drive to Unity and go to two services a day, which that was that was okay. the accelerant, if, if that, that makes sense. we got to go further in that. I'm talking sure. to the incredible Steve Harding. His book is From Homelessness to Abundance, and we'll be right back after this short break. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. 
much for tuning in today to the show, The Intentional Spirit. I love hearing from all of you. I tell you, it just it's just so uh, insightful and uplifting. And, you know, keep in mind, this is a two-way relationship here. So I love it when you connect. Go to templehaze.com. Go into the contact section. Send me a note. Ask me a question. Uh, recommend a, a show. Recommend one of your friends that's an author or a teacher or someone that does programs for kids or healthy living. Um, love to hear from you uh, because we also have programs on illy.org. That's the Institute for Leadership and Lifelong Learning.org. That's the university online. So love connecting. Okay. And just a huge shout out for Unity Online Radio. That is truly a voice of a changing world. And we're very grateful for all the staff and the whole team that has been continuing to show up and, and provide this seamless service that we're all getting to benefit from. So thank you, Lewis. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, Diane Ray, really, really grateful. So Steve Harding, welcome back. And I was Thank looking you. earlier at your website, ownyourowngreatness.com. I don't know if you're aware of this. Well, you wouldn't have a way of being aware of this. When I was between ministries um, years ago, I did a summer program at a Quaker building and um Oh, we had all of 35 people. <laughs> you know, like I always say, if you're not happy serving the 35, then you're not serving the 3,500 or the 35,000. But all that said, I, I'm sure you're not aware of this, but it was um, the Center for Greatness and for Great People. And so what we would do is we would have some music and stuff like that. But every week we would honor a great person in our county here in St. Petersburg in Pinellas County. And they would do a speech about whether they were doing activism or don't or giving to the arts or something like that. But we had this song born to be great, bum, bum, bum. born to be great. I awaken to greatness in me. Bum, 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 bum. So anyway, you know, I, I didn't apply for the singing job, but it went on and on. <laughs> about greatness. And I've always, always, always loved that word about being great because it, it just exceeds. Um, it gives you that new measurable of that window that no, it's not just ordinary. No, it's not just even fitting an average because the average is the best of the worst and the worst of the best. And it's even better than more delicious than good. You know, it's, it's about greatness. It's about knowing our own destiny that we are in control of so much of it. So anyway, I just thought of that tidbit. I haven't thought of that for forever, <laughs> a long time. <laughs> but we met every week and celebrated greatness in spirituality. It's interesting because uh, the name of that company, Own Your Own Greatness, I Temple, I could not tell you where that came from. That was just a – it's a perfect example of things falling into place just exactly the way that they're supposed to. Mm. And I've always believed – or I haven't always believed. I'm learning every day. But I feel like, you know, when we're born, when we come onto this planet, it's like 
we are born into this beautiful field with wildflowers all around and the sun shining down on us. And what we tend to do is put a box around ourselves that blocks out that sun and we forget about the uh we forget about the wildflowers and we begin to think that inside that box is the reality and that's that's where I was in the homeless situation. And what what I'm trying to do really with the book is to help people break that box down and get back to that place where the sun is shining on them and the wildflowers are there all the time so that they can really begin to feel their own greatness. I mean, each of us have, are great. We're born whole, perfect, and complete. We're amazing, amazing beings, but we forget about it. And that's what I would really like for people to to be able to do is to get back to just what you're talking about, owning how great they are and celebrating that greatness. And from that, then we can really make things happen. And use words that grow you. You know, use words mm -hmm. that that really grow you, um, because you 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 created a new narrative in your life, a new story, because you use words like gratitude, like gratefulness, like greatness. And with the power of one's word, we grow into that. We grow into those words. Like you recall last year here within our spiritual community, we had a science of mind practitioner, Reverend Ron say, I want you to have a ridiculously amazing life and year. Right. Yeah, and it was right. just phenomenal what happened. And we affirmed that a lot and we laughed about it, but we were growing into it. What would that look like? Oh, just to have a ridiculously amazing life. And all of a sudden we were featured in a major film with Deepak Chopra, which his launch date has been delayed because of what's going on. And we went to Carnegie Hall. I went twice and myself and some of our ministers and our core singing team were there at another time. It's like, I love life when you say you can't make this stuff up, you know, because that's what happens. You, you grow into the, the, the new name, the new narrative, the new marquee. I love it in your blog when you say that, um, that you were, uh, one day you were in the process of moving and you drove by a condo complex on the water and you had the thought, I would love to live there. And two months later, the time to move came and you picked up a paper and you looked in the classified ads for rental properties. There was only one ad and you called and arranged to meet the agent at the unit. And yep, you guessed it. It was a condo directly on the water in the complex I had been driving by, by two months previously. You shifted your story. You shifted the energy of that story. And those of you that are tuning in, I learned this in the early days in Science of Mind when I was a student in ministerial school. If you're driving through a neighborhood and you see broken toys in the front yard, or you see a car that, you know, obviously needs mending or love, or you see the house is kind of going down, hold prayers, do an affirmative prayer about that property and watch over the months what will happen when you give it a new story. It's absolutely amazing. It's factual. It works every time. 
and you just hold that space. But what do most people do, Steve? Most people hold themselves at the level that they're at versus the vibration of who they are growing into. And there's a big difference with how we manifest in both of those cases. It, that that again, I goosebumps because it is so spot on to to my experience. You know, I, the words that we use reflect the thoughts that we have, and the thoughts that we have create our life. And I go into quite a bit of detail in the book about the fact that it's really important that we become aware of our thoughts. I think most of us are sort of I call it on the hamster wheel where it's like our life is a movie that's showing on the screen and we're just constantly reacting to that. If we get conscious to our thoughts and we start using and having the the evolutionary positive thoughts and then we reflect that in our language, that's exactly what happens. And you can literally create, uh, there's an interesting, what I think is kind of a weird story in my book, but when things were starting to move, I'd been coming to Unity for quite a while, and things were really starting to move in the right direction, uh, I said, it was kind of another situation that you mentioned. There was a condo complex that I would drive by every day coming from church. And one day, at this point, my income was $407.38 a month from this retirement fund that I had. And I pulled in there and I looked at, met with the real estate agent, looked at, at condos, and there was one available that I loved. At that point, I signed a contract to move into that condo in 45 days. And my income was $407.38 a month. But by that time, my faith was more the size of a watermelon than a than a mustard seed. And I was able to take that risk knowing that somehow, some way, it would work out. And then what I would do is on my way home from church for about the next three or four Sundays, I would stop at that condo complex, and it had a little gazebo sitting out in front of the one I was going to rent. And I would sit in that gazebo and close my eyes and literally live in that condo. Be so, again, gratitude for for cooking in the kitchen, for sleeping in the bed, for walking. I would just see myself doing it. And I did that for about three weeks. And all of a sudden, I'm at the house where I was staying, and I got a phone call from a guy that I had not heard of or heard from in over a year. He was living out in Phoenix. He didn't even enter my head. And he asked me how I was doing, and I said, well, it's not going real great. And he said, do you remember the discussion we had about that income opportunity uh, when you lived out here over a year ago? And I had completely ignored it, just blown it off. And so when I hung up the phone, I got on the computer, and I looked up that opportunity with Social Security. I was 64 at the time. And I looked at, pulled it up, and my Social Security was enough to, A, pay rent on the condo, pay all my expenses, and 45 days later, I moved into that condo. And I'm absolutely convinced that it 
what was really behind it was my belief and my faith and my power in the fact that the law does work. And we can control that law through our thoughts and our attitudes and eliminate the fear. That's the big thing that's going on now that worries me the most is, is the fear. And uh, I hate, I, I don't hate anything. I'm, I'm sad good to catch, see good the catch. fear. Impressive. You caught it. I'm sorry? <laughs> good catch. You started to say, hey, and those words yes. don't go yes, with you I, now. You caught it. Good job. Yep. <laughs> I don't do that anymore, and but you know you're, you're right. There are so many positive things going on. This is just a tremendous opportunity for us to come together as a as a human family globally. Uh, that it's it's just a tremendous opportunity for us to do it, and and the universe provides. I believe we put the intention out there, the intentionality, and we think the thoughts. And then what the universe does is provide us opportunities to take advantage of that. It's, uh, I think sometimes that it's interesting, the universe, when we put an intention out to the universe, the universe has an infinite number of ways to put it together. As human beings, we only have the experience of our past. So what I have learned to do and what I've want to happen, especially in the scenario we're in right now, is that we put the intention out there and then look for the positive things that the and the positive opportunities that today's world is going to provide us. And one of the biggest, I think, is the opportunity to come together as a, as a human family. I just think this is all the pieces of the puzzle are in place for us to do that, and I really, really hope that we do take advantage of that. But anyway, I, I just wanted to share that story about the condominium because it kind of went dovetailed with what you had talked about and it happened to me actually before. Oh, yeah. Well, they're they're just incredible. Storytelling is what opens our heart up. You know, it's what accelerates the visionary uh, within us again if it's been lying dormant or, or sleeping for a while, if you will. That's something that we want to make a regular contribution and a contributing factor to our lives is to allow ourselves to stretch, you know, stretch, not in a place of not enoughness, not in a place of I'm not okay, but in a place of expansiveness. You know, I am open to expand to the space that will allow my heart to deepen and open up in a greater way. So I may prove these principles in which I live you know, and have my being. So it's, it's a great journey to be in awe and to have this ridiculously uh, built amazing life. Now, one of the words you had mentioned earlier, and I know you referenced it in your book, your book being My Journey from Homeless to Abundance. And everyone, you can purchase that book by going to the website ownyourowngreatness.com, the book written by Steve Harding, whom I'm talking with today, if you're just coming in. Um, you you used a four-letter word that uh, we bring up every now and then. Often people bring it up almost apologetically, or it, they say it's a thing, but then they deny it's a thing. And that's the four-letter word called fear. Okay? Mm -hmm. So you had mentioned fear, and and being there you were in this home with no running water, no electricity, you did have that fear look in your eyes. Um 
were you afraid of what was happening at the moment? What could happen? Or were you afraid of something feeling familiar, like related to someone else in your family history or whatever? How would you further define the fear? In other words, what I find in being a, a mentor and a coach and a and coaching uh, spiritual leaders across the country is they they will say, yeah, and I had this fear, but then, you know, and then the fear came back. That's not deep enough. I'm just using this as a teachable moment. I'm not referring okay, sure. to how you said the word fear, but we must go deeper than that. For the person that's tuning in, if you're feeling afraid right now, what are you, you have to go all the way, follow it through to the end and, and milk it, if you will, or sit with it and have tea with it. What is it that would be the fear? So Steve, in your case, what was the fear? The fear at that point in my life was that I had no control over my life and mm -hmm. that I was never going to be able to change the situation that I was in. I think it was, it's the fear of a lack of control, a fear that, that, uh, that whatever's going on out there is more powerful than I am and I can't change it. And that, that was the fear for me that being homeless was something that I had no control over and I was not going to be able to change for who know, you know, I couldn't see any change in the future whatsoever. That was the fear. And I think that that fear is probably a big part of what's going on now in the sense that we feel we have no control over what's happening. And the way that, the way that I approach it today in, in the world that's going on right now is that I look, the opposite of fear is love. And really, if you look at it, those are the only, I believe, the only two emotions. Everything else is on a scale somewhere between those two. So when I hear that, that people are getting sick and that people are dying and I feel like there's no control over it. I just try to send love from my heart to everybody on the planet. I try to send the love out there that overpowers the fear. And fortunately, I have been through enough of this experience. The, the, uh, the gift that this homeless thing gave to me was to be able to live without fear. And... So no matter what's going on around me, I have a, a very deep sense of peace and joy. The way I overcome the fear is just what I said. I send love. I fill my heart with love, and I send it to all the people out there who are suffering. That's, you know, long story short, that's really the reason I was able to overcome the homelessness is because I got to a point to where my thoughts, which we can all control our thoughts, it's difficult, but we can do it, and I would, I would shift my thoughts from fear to love. And when I did that, then the things that I've been talking about seemed to show up. The universe provided all the things I needed in order to continue to grow in the love and eliminate the fear. And that's what I would love to be able to share with people today and what's going on is to own your own greatness and send love and send love to yourself. That's so important. 
send love to yourself. Put yourself on the love list and send it to yourself. And that will help overcome the fear. I can promise you that. Hallelujah. And I would like to just put some common sense on that because I know immediately what happens to so many people. And probably the reason I know that is there was a time in my life that happened to me too. Um, is that when you say something like, or I say something like, you know, you're here to be great. And the person immediately fluffs that off. Like, you know, what mm-hmm. the heck you mean? And I'm just trying to get through the day here. I'm trying to decide if I even want to be here half the time. You're telling me to go around saying to myself, I'm great. Well, what I want to say and what I like to put in perspective is that based on the way that older humans limit themselves, most of them would still be learning to walk like a baby. Okay? Wow. <laughs> Thank heaven, right? <laughs> that is so cool. Thank- That's spot on. But it's so real. Because mm-hmm. how many times in a four or five year period, as the development of a baby, of walking, of being aware, of being grounded, of stepping about, moving around, how many times do they pop their head on the coffee table? How many times do they they fall and then they crawl some more? And how long is that process? If it was up to many of us in our humanity, we would still be crawling most of the time because we're unwilling to invest the bruising to get to the other side of it. And you must be willing you know, and you, you, your, your pain that you're in now, you already know what that is. And you, the good news is you can always go back to that, you know, and, and be in that space of let me, let me suffer. And I, I'm not being cold about that, but I'm simply saying that you build upon it. I know that I was born to be great. I know that everybody was born to be great. I know I don't feel like it right now but I'm going to keep holding that space. And quite frankly, when I look in the mirror, I'm talking a generic person, not myself. When I look in the mirror and I say, I'm great, that feels very uncomfortable. Well, mm. here's, the, here's the good news. You, you've got to be uncomfortable if you're going to have change. That's what we say often, right, Steve? We afflict the comfortable yes. and we offer comfort to the afflicted. You must be uncomfortable. So don't dismiss it and say, this stuff about being great, it's a bunch of mumbo jumbo, whoa, whoa, metaphysical, woo, woo, goo, goo. Don't do that. Because too many of us have proven that, yeah, we fell a few times, but we kept up and we aren't crawling anymore. We're standing tall because we were willing to, to take the steps, to move forward, to walk through it, and to, as the old saying is, we felt the fear but we did it anyway. It didn't stop us. It motivated us. How's yeah, that? That is, that is so true. I mean, it really kind of goes right back to the beginning of taking responsibility. You know, I love that about the fact that if we wouldn't be walking, we'd be crawling. And the key to that, I think, and understanding that is there our inner spirit is going to walk. Always, our inner spirit is going to walk. When we look in the mirror and we say, I am great, and it feels uncomfortable, it's because that's what we've been taught from the outside. That is not coming from the inside. That's our head talking, not our heart, mm-hmm. because our heart knows we're great. 
And we just have to listen. We have to open up, get quiet, and listen to our heart. And the other, the other piece of it is don't expect other people to know it if you've never had a moment of entertaining it and believing it yourself. You know, and don't anticipate somebody else is going to be excited about your life if you're not excited about your life. The best day you can give yourself is when you get excited about your life because then you come from this true place of a, of a magnet that you start drawing in individuals and places and people. But I just want to continue to go on record and say that, you know, you got to do the work. You've got to do the work. And the work isn't the determination to stay where you are and justify the victimhood. The, the work is in the victory and the willingness to move forward. I'm talking to Steve Harding today, and he has an incredible book where he touches people and he helps many people have a breakthrough about homelessness. So his book is My Journey from Homeless to Abundance, Owning Your Own Greatness, and that's the website as well, Own Your Own Greatness. But I also want to say that this kind of book can be pertinent and relatable to a lot of things because, you know, homeless isn't just people that don't have a home. It's also people that don't feel at home in the bodies that they're in. So don't think of it just as a location. As far as a house, uh, think of it as anything that is preventing you now from feeling that you are soaring with abundance. I'm Temple Hayes, and please go to templehayes.com and visit us. Um, I also uh, invite you to go to illy.org, the Institute for Leadership and Lifelong Learning International. You can also find that on my website or visit us at firstunity.org. We have Marianne Williamson coming up this Sunday to join us here on an Easter Sunday morning. Steve, it's been a pleasure to have you, sir, and have you on the show. And um, there's just no telling where you're going to go. It's very impressive what your life has done and a magical story for so many. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. And God bless you on this amazing journey we call life, everyone. It is ridiculously amazing. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on The Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, Don't take your dreams lying down.